she says, she says, look at my hands. I, I'm an example of what not to do. I'm an example of what not to do. And I got to tell you, when I come up here to talk about sex, I don't come up here as one who's going as a pastor. I know, listen, the reason that we elevate the preaching, yes, we're good? All right, money. That's awesome. Yay, guys. These guys work so hard. The reason, the reason that I feel a lot of discomfort coming up here is because I have no fingers. I'm not coming up here telling you, you better do this because I know better. I'm telling you, listen, I've hurt myself. I've wounded myself. I've got scars that you don't see that I carry with me all my life. What are you going to tell me? But I have same-sex attractions. Me too. What are you going to tell me? But I've, I, I've messed up. I've had a sex outside of marriage. Me too. What are you going to tell me? But I was unfaithful. Me too. What are you going to tell me? I've got no fingers. I am a broken, broken person finding in God's word the means to be made whole. And I want to share that with you. So now that we all know that we're all in the same boat, God is going to tell us stuff that's so countercultural that you're just going to want to write it off. And I just want you to know that if God's word is what we say in this church it is, then what you will find is, and what do we say about God's word? We say that God's word is God's word, that it doesn't come from man. We're saying that it doesn't come from a particular society or a particular culture. We're saying that it's divine in origin. Therefore, it's going to contradict every culture at a certain point. And at a certain point, some cultures will be like, oh, yeah, I like that. So, for instance, in America, if you talk about hell or if you talk about sex, they go, listen, this is ridiculous. The Bible's ridiculous. You mean, you mean God is going to send people to hell forever? That's ridiculous. That sounds abusive. Oh, and you, are you saying that sex is just for married people, only one man, one woman in, in, uh, the, in the confines of marriage? And we're saying yes. Now, interestingly enough, if you go outside of our culture... Those two things are not their big objections. In fact, if you go outside of American culture, say if you go into an African culture, everybody agrees, oh my gosh, there's a hell? That's good. That's where bad people should go. They would say, oh, there's punishment for doing wrong? Good. So I don't have to feel bitterness. I don't have to... Could you imagine? Could you imagine being in a tribe and having another tribe rape your wife, murder your children before they poke your eyes out, and then being told that the Bible speaks that there's a place where God, don't, listen, there's, God deals with that. That's, they're not going to go, that's not going to go unnoticed. God is going to address that. How much comfort would that bring you? And, and in that culture, you would say, oh my gosh, hell is a beautiful concept. 
You would say about sex, yeah, it makes sense. One man, one woman, holy matrimony forever. That makes sense. You see, what's offensive in one culture is totally acceptable in another culture. The reason that is, is again, because it's God's divine word. So if today you are offended by what is said, there's two things I need you to say. I need to tell you. One, me too. And two, God is going to speak to our hearts in ways that we might find offensive but will always find beneficial. And so it's okay to be offended, but receive with, with a little humility what God would have to say to us. So, what is, what, what are we going to talk about today? Number one, I want to say a few things. No, sex is not bad. Sex is invented by God. Did you know that? So, we're in a, so let's go back a little bit further. We're in a series called The Seven Deadly Sins, and it didn't get interesting until today. Right? <laughs> it was like, yeah, gluttony, envy, who cares? Let's talk about sex. Right? And so I get that. And so um, today we're going to talk about lust. But we're not going to talk about, and listen, so there's a couple of things that, because when you come into this environment, you go, oh man, sex is bad, sex is bad. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sex is glorious. Sex is a gift from God. But sex is a gift from God made with parameters. Sex is a gift from God like fire is a gift from God. Right? You take a fire and you put it in the fireplace on a winter's night, and you put it in the fireplace and you warm yourself by it. it the glow is beautiful and it gives light. It's lovely. You take the exact same fire and put it in the middle of your living room, not so cute anymore. Not so, not so nice anymore. Does that make sense? It's given by God, but because it's given by God and because it's so powerful, it's given a parameter. A parameter for your enjoyment. A parameter for your satisfaction. A parameter so that you could rejoice in it even more. Sex is also a foretaste. What do you mean foretaste? This is why holy matrimony is so beautiful and holy. When, when a husband and a wife come together on a honeymoon night, what they're experiencing for the first time, what they're supposed to be experiencing for the first time is an incredible joy. You mean this is what unity with Christ is going to be like? No. This is barely a down payment of what unity with Christ is going to be like. This is a foretaste. If you were buying a house, this is the 10% down. If you, were, uh, if you were at a wedding banquet, this is the uh, appetizer. That's sex points to the beauty and the wonder of what God has in his unity. When, when the groom, Christ, Comes, from his, comes for his bride, the church. See, it's, it's not supposed to be an end unto itself. So first of all, so first I want to say is that sex is beautiful. Sex is wonderful. Sex is a great gift from God made for the purpose of giving to one man, one woman in a parameter. Now, watch this. Sex is also very dangerous. And because it's very dangerous, God puts parameters around it. 
Does that make sense? That if something is dangerous, you like the, 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 more, the more precious something is, the more boundaries you have with it, right? Like if right now I had a set of keys or something, right? If I had a set of keys and, you know, my son is five years old, I would go out, I'd give him the keys, let him play with it. Doesn't matter. No instruction. But if I give my son my phone, I'm like, okay, this is the only app you can touch. Don't touch any of these buttons. Do this. Sit on the couch. Don't go anywhere else. If you get off the couch, put it on the side. Why am I giving so much instructions? Because it's more precious to me, right? It's an expensive piece of material that I don't want to be ruined. So if God is going to give you this gift called sex, how should he give it to you? Do the best you can. Have at it. Hey, here's a better, here's a better question. Sex has seen powerful men destroy themselves. I mean, do I even have to mention any names in media? Of how powerful men have abused women, destroying not only these women's lives, but destroying their own lives. Some of you have done time in jail because of this powerful drive. Then you attach that with the uh, potential um, uh, diseases that one can contract. So let me ask you a question. If you were God and you loved you like God loved you, what would you say about this beautiful yet dangerous gift? Would you say, be safe, wear protection? What would you say? You would say, no, 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 no. Don't do this outside of these confines. Because if you do, beloved, you'll hurt yourself. So, so we're not talking about sex is bad, sex is unnatural, sex is... No, we're saying sex is glorious. In fact, sexual desire is in certain places in the Bible commanded. How you like that? You want to read some risque literature? Try uh, the Song of Solomon. Right? Crazy. Like I, I one day, because <laughs> the Song of Solomon is this beautiful poem about a woman's desire for her husband and a husband's desire for his wife. And, and I've often, you know, whenever I read through it, I always go, you know, Liz should, like, quote some of this stuff to me. Because it's like, you know, my husband is like a stallion. And like, I'm like, woohoo! Yeah, man. This is awesome. So God is not shy about this. God is not shy about it. Sex is not bad. You understand what I'm trying to say here, right? But let me tell you about something that's going to kill you. Lust. Lust. What is lust? Lust is a desire that's out of order. It's a desire that's out of order. Can you have a desire that's out of order? Of course you can. I have several. Lust is a desire that is out of order. That it's either pursued in the wrong way or pursued to the wrong degree. Does this make sense? And so if you're married, so, okay, so if that's true, could it be that our lust 
could destroy us, could damage us. I think about my own life, and not only do I think about my own destruction that I've caused myself, my wife, my, my own life, but I think of the lust of other people who have harmed me. I've told you this a bunch of times, but one day there was a time where I was in a room and an adult walked in the room. I was a little guy. An adult walked in the room and he locked and double locked the door and horrible things happened that day. It wasn't my lust. It was his. Cracked my soul. And then there's the lust of others that have hurt me that weren't directly towards me, but I felt the collateral damage of. One day, my father decided that it was better to test the waters in other people's vineyards, in other people's pools, in other people's lakes. And he went with another woman. And as a direct result, it destroyed their marriage. And so I grew up without a father because he couldn't understand that this lust thing is so destructive. Some of you were not allowed to get tucked into bed at night because of this issue of lust. Some of you, some of you, and believe me, I, listen to me, I listen to more confessions than the Brooklyn DA. <laughs> almost every, every time I listen to people confess their greatest shame, almost every time it has to do with sexual, almost every single time. It has, it has sex attached to it, either what was done to them or what they did as a result. So are we clear? We're not talking, I'm not talking about a person who's been pure and perfect. If you want to punch holes in this messenger, it'll be easy. I'll help you. Secondly, we're not talking about sex. Sex is something beautiful within the confines, within the parameters that God has given. What we're talking about is the destructive level of lust. So, lust, we said, is a desire that's out of order. So let's look at a passage from Genesis to see how lust not only hurts the person that was lusting, but hurt the other person who's running from it. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 4 through 15. I, in my notes, I have 4 through 20. I might read that far. You don't have it. It's fine. Um, that's why you should bring your Bibles. It's a good idea. But, um, but that's where our focus and our concentration will be on, even though I'll mention some things uh, up to verse 20. Uh, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? I'll read it to you. It's a long passage. I'll read it to you. Joseph found favor in his eyes. Oh, gosh, I should say this. Pause. I had to edit this. Look up at me. I had to edit some of this. So, jo who's Joseph? Joseph um, is a son of Isaac, right? So Abraham, Isaac, and then Joseph is one of his sons, right? And so Joseph is this guy who's... Um, I'm sorry, Jacob's son, Jacob's son. And so Joseph is one of the sons of the patriarchs, and he is like the favored son. He's like really loved. 
his brothers get jealous of him. They sell him off into slavery. As he gets sold off into slavery, he gets sold several times, and he finds himself in this guy Potiphar's house. Over and over and over again, the Bible says, but God was with Joseph, which, by the way, if you're suffering and people are mistreating you, is something to remember if you're in Christ. God was with Joseph, even though his moments were definitely very painful and undeserved. That's where we find Joseph. Joseph found favor in his eyes, that's Potiphar's eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of, of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her. My master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then should I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants was inside, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, "Come to bed with me." But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of his house, run out of the house, she called her household servants, "Look!" She said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak behind, his cloak beside me, and ran out of the house. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So we see here, an incredible dialogue, do you not? What an amazing story that God has preserved for us. God. So, remember what we said. A, a, a lust is a desire that's out of order. But we see several things that come up in this passage that help us to identify what lust is. Not only is lust, what do we mean when we say lust is a desire out of control? Lust is a, des um, uh, uh, rather, a lust is a desire that's out of order. First of all, lust is a desire that's out of control. Everybody would agree that this woman is out of control. She is not behaving well. She's, she's behaving badly, right? 
this is like the real wives of the Middle East, right? This is like really bad, right? This is not going well. She's, she comes to him, and over and over and over again, she pursues him. It's a desire that's out of control. Are you going to get desires? Absolutely. Are you going to have longings? Especially, listen to me, especially, you're going to struggle more with sexual sin if that door of sexuality was opened when you were young. The younger you were when that door was opened, the more you'll struggle with it in life. So if, if you had, like me, a person come into your space and introduce it to you early on, then it's going to have awakened things that shouldn't have been awakened for many, many years later. And so you're going to struggle. Your, your struggle is going to be more acute, let's say, than maybe somebody who hadn't. And for you, I would say, join me in pursuing Christ and having him be our satisfaction. Because we have desires that are out of control, we need to focus those desires on the one who can, the only one who can fulfill those desires. Only in Christ will my desires ever be truly satisfied. And so if you're like me and you had that door open early on, if you're like me and you had that door broken into early on, then, then join me in joining Christ pursuing Christ, finding our satisfaction and our joy in Christ. Lust is a desire that's out of control. By the way, I should say this. When the Bible speaks about lust, it doesn't always speak about just sexual lust. We're talking about sexual lust today because it's such a broad subject. Even I don't have enough time. We could have a whole series on just sexual lust, let alone. So I have to narrow down the focus. We could lust after uh, a car. We could lust after a, a whole bunch of things. I can't talk about everything at once. Um, many times the Bible talks about lust in different ways that are not sexual. But we can easily say that this applies to all of lust. Lust is a desire that's out of control. Secondly, and by the way, um, I, I, I want to thank Tim Keller for helping me with this. His sermon on this really helped me to get a lot of this down for you guys. So, um, yeah, this is where I get a lot of these ideas. So, two, lust is a pleasure without a promise. Write that down. Lust is a pleasure without a promise. You see, you see in the text, she goes up to him. And you can see in verse 7, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. This is not come be with me forever. This is just come lie down with me. It's interesting that she just literally says, hey, man, just lie down with me. Just lie down with me. And if you're a very stupid man, you go, oh, she's just saying lie down. What's the worst that could happen? Few things. She says, come lie down with me. It's a pleasure without a promise. You, many of us, many of you sitting right here, when you think of marriage, you go, it's just a piece of paper. It's just, you know what, this is society's ways of trying to control people. We were never meant, you hear this all the time. You were, we were, I don't even believe in marriage. My mother got divorced and my dad got divorced and look, nobody I know who's married is happy, blah, 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 blah. 
And, and, and we, we develop this thing and we say, we say marriage is futile. Marriage is no good. We don't want anything to do with marriage. It's not natural. I'd rather just be. But the reason that marriage is so powerful is because when you get married, you say, I'm going to give you, listen to me, I'm not only going to give you the pleasure, I'm going to give you a promise. <coughs> that, means, that means that there's a point and the promise comes first. Isn't that beautiful? That's why, anybody remember Meatloaf? The, the, the singer Meatloaf? Right, 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 right. right. Um, um, what was that song? Let me sleep on it. Baby, baby, let me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it. I'll give you my answer in the morning. Okay, what the song is, because again, none of us, grew, not many of us grew up on Meatloaf. I get it. We're, we're Brooklyn. So, um, so Meatloaf has this incredible song. You should look at it. Look it up. Um, it's this incredible song about this negotiation uh, of trying to be in bed with his girlfriend. And he goes, just give me yourself. Just give me yourself. And she goes, will you love me forever? And he goes, let me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it and I'll give you my answer in the morning. And then she sings back, I want to know right now, will you love me? Will you love me forever? Will you leave me? Will you need me? Will you never leave me? Will you uh, make me so happy for the rest of my life? Will you take me away? Will you make me your wife? I want to know right now. Before we go any further, do you love me? Will you love me forever? What is she saying? She's saying, before I give you the pleasure, I want the promise. Before I give you the pleasure, I want the promise. Meatloaf knew something that the Bible was talking about, that there's intrinsically a desire for commitment if you're going to give yourself away in that fashion. And so some of us have been so wounded, so broken, so hurt that we don't even look for that anymore. Third date, that's all we look for. Third date, boom, we're good. That's it. It's like third date. Third date is the deal. That's three, three times? Cool. That's, this is love. It's going somewhere. We're hurting ourselves, beloved. I hurt myself. You're hurting yourself. Lust is pleasure without a promise. The Bible says within holy matrimony, one man, one woman, together forever. So, here's how, so this is what it looks like. With all your hair, honey, or when you go bald. I'm committed to you. With, with your 20-year-old figure and with stretch marks. I love you forever. With the lights on, with the lights off. I've received you, you're mine. It's a pleasure. And you go, but wait up. How can I get married with a person unless, you see, I got to put the pleasure before the promise. I got to put the pleasure before the promise. Because if I, if I don't put the pleasure, how can I make the promise? How will I know it's going to be any good unless I try it out first? <laughs> Listen to me. It's insane. It's insane. You're talking crazy. What you're saying, you go, you wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on. You wouldn't buy a car without driving it first. To which I would say, well, if your wife's just a piece of leather to you or just a mechanical uh, vehicle for you to use as your pleasure, then I guess you're right. 
But if your wife or your spouse or your husband is, if, if they're not just something for you to use, but someone for you to give pleasure and enjoy within a commitment, then, beloved, you don't have to. You don't have to do the pleasure before the promise. Thirdly, lust is pleasure without a person. This is, this is profound. Look in verse 11. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. It's pleasure without a person. Listen to me. I don't need you to have this pleasure. You see, you're, you're no longer using, you're no longer with the person, you're using a person. Do you see that? When you're just stricken, isn't it true that when you're stricken by lust, anyone will do, right? Good night. There's a song about this. If you can't be with the one you love, what? Love the one you're with. Right? Because you want pleasure without a person. It doesn't matter. See, the point isn't I'm committed to you, I'm desiring you, I'm for you, I love you, I'm with you. This is part of our de deepening our, not only our affection for one another, but not only that, but seeing this as a down payment of the pleasure that Christ gives. But not only that, is to grow the union that we have together. No, 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 I don't see it like this. If it's not you, it'll be somebody else. That's why pornography is so damnable. Because what you're doing is like, I don't care. I don't care. Just, I want pleasure. I don't want a person. Oh my goodness. You ever had a friend with benefits? Yes. Oh my goodness. Right? It's, it's this, I don't want you. You serve as a utility. So the question then is, how do we handle this? We've got to get out of here. First thing, all right, um, let, me, let me just pause here for a second. We're going to talk about how to handle lust, and then after that, we're going to talk about how to heal lust. Because I don't know if, you like, if, if you're like me, I identify a little bit more with Potiphar's wife than I do with Joseph. I identify a little bit more with the person who's trying to use a person to get what they want rather than the one who wants to enjoy God. So we're going to talk about how to handle lust, but I want, you to, I want you to see this. He stays away physically. Verse 10. He stays, how to handle lust? He stays away physically. Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, pause. In fact, I'm going to go further. I'm going to say he not only stays away physically, he stays away mentally. She goes up to him day after day. What do you think she was talking to him about day after day? What kind of ideas do you think she was putting in his mind? What kind of thoughts do you think that she was sharing with him? She was trying to entice him day, and listen to me, it's not she was trying to entice him. She was trying to entice him Day after 
this is a continual process. She's pursuing him. He stays away physically. He stays away mentally. I'm telling you, if you're romancing the stone of sexual sin in your mind, you're going to find yourself falling into sin regularly. Again, look, no fingers. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Not only does the Bible say this, experience has reaffirmed this. Whenever you fantasize, meditate on a particular thing, you, your body will eventually go where your mind goes. And so she's pursuing him. He's staying away from her as much as he can. He's going away from her as much as he can. He's not letting those thoughts sink in. Now, here's the deal. If I just tell you, stay away physically and stay away mentally, you go, there's no hope for me. Because you're not going to do that. Even if right now you're tracking with me and you go, yeah, that's right. I've seen the damage that lust made in my life through my dad, through my mom, through my brothers and sisters, through my own life. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm tracking with you. I get it. Sex is for man and woman only. Uh, sex is for uh, a ma uh, marriage uh, within the context of one man, one woman. I get it. I get it. And you're with me, and you're tracking, and you're going, yes, I want that. I'm going to stay away physically, and I'm going to stay away mentally. I'm telling you, you're just going to fail. What we need desperately is to understand Joseph's underpinning of why he did this. And look at what he says. He says in, um, in verse uh, 10, let's look at 10. And though she spoke to him day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. In other words, not only did he wasn't even around her. Let's go down to one day, 11. No. Um, but he refused. Eight. Thank you so much. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Pause. Listen to me. My ma when you're dealing with lust, you go, God won't give me the only thing that I really want. You go, look, you can't appreciate anything that God has given you. Everything that God has given you, you go, it's useless. You're the real thing I want. It's the real thing I want. That's the real thing I want. When you're consumed with lust, you can't say, he goes the opposite. No, 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 look at all that God has given me. In his case, look at all the master has given me. Let me ask you something. What has the master given you? What is the king in heaven, right? Has he given some of you, just, let's, let's do a thing. Has he given some of you a second chance in life? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few of us. Has he given you a sound mind when you didn't have a sound mind at one time? Yeah, yeah, that's good. What about the clothes on your back? Has he given you that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ruined your life? And yet he's, I don't care if it's a three-quarter house or if it's, if it's a, a house in a penthouse. Has he just given you a place to stay? What about the food that you have to eat? Has he given you that? Yeah, yeah. What about, being, um, what about having a reasonable amount of health? Has he given you that? Yeah, yeah, there's a reasonable amount. You're not dead. You're not dead, right? There's a reasonable amount of health. You're here. You made, you made it here. Listen to me. 
Look at all that the master has given you. Delight in all that he's given you. Delight in all that he's provided for you. Rejoice that he is the one. See, it's the reasons for not going there physically. It's the reasons for not going there mentally that will be your hope. It's going, wait, Jesus, by your death on the cross, you have provided me with every good and pleasing thing. I don't need to go to that because in you, you have provided everything that I need. Jesus is my desire. Jesus is my satisfaction. Jesus will help me to, um, Jesus will help me when I walk away for it not to be a walk of shame, but a run of purity. He ran for sure, but that's a wise thing. That's a wise thing. Don't try to be a spiritual giant in that moment. That's why, that's why I can't stand these um, movies where, um, you know, it's a romantic movie, but he has a problem with his wife, and then, you know, the, the temptress, you ever seen this? The temptress, and then he, they go to the hotel, and he pays for the hotel, and they press on the button, they take the elevator, and they're upstairs, and they're kissing, and then he goes, he grabs her by the shoulders, it's always this way, grabs her by the shoulder. I can't. <laughs> and then he runs, and then it ends all happy. Never met that guy. Never met that guy. I can't. Please. You don't play with something so dangerous. You flee. He wasn't like, all right, let me just quiet. Let me just appease her. Let me just lie down with her. We're not going to do anything. Oh, my goodness. Some of you have two or three kids because of that philosophy. You go like this. You go like this. Oh, nothing's going to happen. All right, we're just going to kiss. We're not going to touch. All right, we're going to touch, but it's not going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be over the clothes, not under the clothes. All right, it's under the clothes, but we're not going to go any further. Oh, okay, we're not, and, then, and then it's like nine months later. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's a destructive road. He's satisfied in what his master has given him. And the reason that you and I keep on running to lust is because we're not satisfied with what the master has given us. The master has given us everything that we need. Everything that we need for joy and satisfaction. And then, of course, Joseph is talking about his earthly master, but he even speaks, he go, he even speaks about God, my, uh, recognizing that all of that came from God. He goes, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and, here it is, sin against God. And so Joseph is finding himself, as the musicians come up, Joseph is finding himself, his satisfaction in all that God has provided, recognizing that not only has the master provided everything that he needed, but that this is an offense against God. This is not a pleasure for my body. This is a sin against God. Okay. And now, the question is, how do we heal? How do we heal lust? Now, there's two things. There are some of you here. Now, I know you, some of you have checked out, but check in for this one. Some of you, some of you are like Joseph, and you're paying the price because we didn't read it. You know what happens after this? Joseph's wife, Potiphar's wife reports that Joseph, you remember we read it and he tried to take advantage of me? 
In the next few verses, she tells that same story to her husband. Her husband has Joseph placed in jail. This is the first time a jail is ever spoken of in the scriptures, right here in Genesis. And he's, he has Joseph placed in jail. Joseph is literally in prison for doing the right thing. For being faithful to his master, has his master throw him in prison. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you, you're like Joseph, especially you young people. You're 16, 17, 18, 14, 15. Listen, you're, or maybe you're 25, 28, whatever. I don't know. But you're going, nah, I'm going to walk with Christ. Christ, I'm not walking with Christ because it's, it's a part of my will to walk in Christ. I'm just so disciplined and, and, and strong-willed. No, no, no. I'm walking with Christ because he's a delight to me. He's a delight to me, right? You can't, you can't tempt me with like, you know, when, if you have like a, you ever try one of those sugar-free ice creams? Yeah, you can't tempt me with sugar-free ice creams when Haagen-Dazs is around. I'm like, oh, that looks real cool. Thank you very much. Enjoy that, right? Because Haagen-Dazs is so much better than any kind of sugar-free ice cream, right? Well, when Christ is your joy, Christ is your satisfaction. Some of you right now are with Joseph, and you're like, they make fun of me. They ridicule me. I feel like such a freak that I've never had sex. Everything in society is like, in fact, in fact, when I was growing up, virginity was something to hold on to, at least if you were a girl. If you were a guy, it was a different, at least in my culture. If you were a guy, it was something to get rid of. Now, your, your virginity is something to get rid of. It's like, let's, let's get this out of the way. And so you're in that society, and you're being pressured, and you're, and you're in Joseph, and you feel like you're being punished for walking in, in Christ. Let me just say, find your joy, your satisfaction, your strength. Find your love and your, and your... Find your loneliness satisfied in Christ. Find your aloneness met in Christ. Find what you've been looking for in the embraces of another in Jesus. But if, if you're like Potiphar's wife, if you're the one who's doing the harm to yourself, if that's you, then I want you to say, run to Christ. Come with me as I run to Christ to heal me of my own harms and hurts. Find in Jesus. You go, but pastor, I love her or I love him. But pastor, wait, listen to me. We said it already. Sex is for married people only. Sex is not for people who are living together. Sex is not for people who are mature. Sex is not for people who are young. Sex is not for people who are old. Sex is not for people who have a ton of experience. Sex is not for people with no experience. Sex is not for people who can, and sex is not for people who can't. Sex is not for the ugly or the pretty. Sex is for married people only. And so, if you find yourself in that, if you find yourself where you're lusting and, and you, you don't, well, I'm not married, what do I do? Find in your spouse Christ. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he's the husband to the church. And by the way, here's something that's really powerful. Husbands, 
You'll never, and you're going to find, some of you are going to find this funny. I don't mean it funny. I mean it as profoundly as the biblical truth is. Husbands, you will never be a good husband to your wife until you learn to enjoy being a good wife to your heavenly spouse. As your heavenly spouse, right? Because we're, we're his bride. I know, right? Like some of you, and, and some of you guys are feeling uncomfortable. I don't like that language. It's okay. Women have been dealing with it a lot because the Bible talks about brothers when it means brothers and sisters. And it's, so it's fine. This is, this is part of the language that the Bible uses. So I'm, if I learn to be a submissive, humble bride to my husband, Christ, then I will then be able to learn to lead my bride as a good husband because I've been husbanded well. Wife, wife, you'll never learn how to be a good bride to your husband until you've experienced the husbanding of Jesus. When Jesus is your husband and that love overflows and you experience that, then you can overflow that respect and that honor to your husband. It won't be something forced. It'll be from him. So, how do we heal our lust? We heal our lust by finding in Christ our healing. The reason, listen to me, the reason we can run away, we can run away and not deal with lust is because Christ stood there and took the weight and the burden of our sins. And because he took the weight and the burden of our sins, and we think about that and we go, oh my gosh, you mean this longing, this desire, this, this desire, this is what you went through? On, this is what you went through in those 40 days of temptation? The pressure that I'm feeling now? Oh my gosh. And then you'll hear Christ say, yeah, that by times by 10 trillion. I felt the temptation of the world. Is this the pain? The pain that I'm feeling of not fulfilling this desire. Is this the pain that you felt on the cross? Yes, only times 10 trillion. And, if he, and then we, if we go one more question, we go, why did you go through all of that? He says, I went through that because I wanted to be intimate with you. Then why would I want to leave Jesus to be intimate with someone else when I have that kind of intimacy? You see, as we think about the intimacy that Christ will give us, as we think about the satisfaction that Christ will give us, our joys are made complete. Our satisfaction is dealt with in Christ. You go, but man, I've got this issue of uh, pornography, and I act out. Beloved, let's fill our minds with Christ's affection for you, with his love for you, and in that, find the satisfaction that we've been looking for in all the wrong places. Now, here's the deal. Could you imagine, could you imagine if you took this suggestion of running to Christ rather running than running to lust? What would your life be like, right? Could you imagine? Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go back three years and erase this relationship? Have you ever felt like that? Well, here's an idea. Let's take that now. Let's go, you know what? I'm not going to go in the wrong direction for three years or one year or two years. I'm going to experience God's joy now. Could you imagine what you would be like? Here's what would happen. You would feel a lot less guilt and shame because most of our shame and guilt or a great deal of our shame and guilt comes from sexual sin. Here's another thing. 
you would be able to talk. You would have greater intimacy with your spouse because there's nothing else that's interfering with that. And if you acted out already, then you can come to your spouse and say, I sinned against you long before we ever met. Can we pray and ask God to give us that new start, that new washing that he does? And he does. He does. Now, what would your life be like if that's, oh my gosh, it'd be incredible. You would be able to walk with joy, experiencing Christ in deeper and more intimate levels. You would grow more in love with him and experience his love more. And you would grow more in security in him, knowing that he's with you and that there's no temptation that can overtake you because you've already seen him overtake these temptations that have come at you. Your, your trust in Christ would exponentially grow. There'll be so much joy in your life. Do it. And when you fail, because you will, run to him and find the mercy that you desperately need because he gives mercy to fingerless people like me, even you. Let's pray. Lord, there's so much of this talk, Lord. I don't want it to distract us from your love from the fact that you denied yourself so that you could glorify the Father and draw us to you. Lord, would you help us in a supernatural way to find such satisfaction in Jesus, confessing that the truth about us, God, I want more of that image than I want you. I want more of that person than I want you. I want more to satisfy my selfish desires than I want you. Confessing that, being broken about that, and asking you to heal the brokenness inside. Would you in a very real way heal our hurts, satisfy our longings, Lord, I pray for the marriages, the marriages who have damaged themselves. The marriages here who thought it was a good idea to introduce pornography into the relationship or maybe even an open marriage. Lord, would you heal the brokenness of our sin? The brokenness of the decisions that we made? Would you heal us with the decisions that we've made and draw us to yourself feeling the weight of our sin, but the joy of your forgiveness. And so God, would you in a powerful way speak deeply to marriages, speak mercy and forgiveness to those who have acted out on lust within the context of marriage. And would you also speak grace and mercy into those who have been cheated on? and who have experienced the damage of lust. Help them as well to find in you the mercy and the kindness and the love and the beauty that they desperately need. 
And Lord, for the singles here, I pray, Lord, that we would not be slaves to ideas of this culture, but that we would be your slave, finding in you what we desperately need. Bring healing. Bring confession. Bring repentance. And bring your spirit to lead us to Jesus. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.